This is recording number 10918 from the Teaching Ministry of Crossroads Community Church in Fairfield, California. It was recorded on Sunday morning, April 17, 2011. This is the seventh message in the series titled, The Doctor's Gospel, by Randy Bolt. This message is titled, On Solid Ground. Luke chapter 6, and we're going to continue our study called The Doctor's Gospel. Luke, who authored this book under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, along with his second volume, The the Acts of the Apostles, um, was a physician. And so he brings that uh, methodical, detail-oriented, scientific um, viewpoint to his recording of the events uh, of the life and ministry of Jesus and then in the the Acts of the Apostles of the birth and uh, initial activities of the early church. But the reason that we're in this study is not really so much for all that. It's because Luke's particular uh, vantage point seems to me to be captured by this notion of a doctor with a a stethoscope listening for the heart of Jesus. And that's why we're involved in this study. We're listening to the heart of Jesus. And we're making our way through it, um, not necessarily verse by verse, but pretty close to it. Today we're going to be talking about uh, the theme of, that comes through in that song we were just listening to, Christ the Solid Rock. On Christ the Solid Rock I Stand is uh, one of the names that that hymn that young man was singing goes by. Sometimes it's called My Hope is Built on Nothing Less. But the idea is that, and it comes from this passage that we're going to be reading, that there is no better foundation upon which to build one's life than Jesus Christ. Beginning at verse 12 of chapter 6, we read about Jesus um, calling his apostles out of a, gr- a larger group of people he calls his disciples. I'm not going to read that, that uh, section of verses from verse 12 to verse 16. Uh, you can yourself. But it's, Jesus goes away on a, on a mountain, it says. It's not like, you know, Mount Everest or something like that. They don't have that kind of... Uh, elevation there in uh, in Palestine, but it was a high elevation of some sorts. He went away and spent a whole night in prayer, preparing f- to make the, this um, uh, distinction among his followers to call out of the larger group of people known as the disciples, and that's what a disciple is—someone who's following, someone who is uh, wanting to be like another. So Jesus had a, a large group of people who were uh, in pursuit of being more like him, learning uh, to be more like him. Out of that group, Jesus called 12 and gave them a title of apostle. That, that uh, word apostle means sent, and sent a person who is being sent with full authority, someone who's being sent in the name of another with full authority. So there was a distinction being made here. Now, we don't really know why this distinction was made. We're not told uh, anything about, you know, the, that prayer um, time that Jesus had 
in preparation for it and what were the criteria by which he decided that these 12 would become apostles out of the disciple group. Um, but I'll tell you what, it certainly wasn't on the basis of merit. And the reason that we know that is because in this group that he chose, there was a denier, there was a doubter, there was a political activist, there was a traitor. And Jesus knew all of that going into it. So whatever was, the, or whatever were, the reasons why he called this, these 12 out, it had more to do with what he was doing in them than what they brought to the table. I think that's pretty good news for all the rest of us, not that any of us aspire to be, you know, somehow in another class of, you know, I, I'm, a real, I'm a real follower of Jesus, you know. Uh, not, not that, but I think that, that there's hope for the rest of us. Listen, if Peter could make it, I can make it, <laughs> you know. And, uh, but I like verse 17. It says, and he came down with them. So they're up on this, you know, he has gone up onto this hill and he's prayed all night. And, the, and he calls out of the disciples, which apparently were at a lower elevation than where he was. He called out of them 12 who, who came up to where he was. And then verse 17 says, he came down with them and stood on a level place with a crowd of his disciples. I like that. Because Jesus seems to do this all the time. He seems to flatten the structure. We talk about that in business a lot, you know, that hierarchical structures don't seem to work very well, and so we want to always be... Uh, how many of you ever heard that, that phrase in your business? Yeah. Flattening uh, the, the, the structure. And, and Jesus comes down on a level place, and, and just everybody is together on the same uh, same ground. And now you have the apostles, you have the dis- Jesus, the apostles, the, the disciples, and then there's another group of people that's mentioned here, the multitude of the crowd, people who have been coming from everywhere to uh, hear him and to receive, frankly, the benefits of his presence, healing for their bodies and uh, deliverance for people who are spiritually bound. And it says in verse 19, he healed them all. The benefit and blessing of the ministry and power of Jesus Christ is not just for a certain few. It didn't matter whether you were one of the apostles, one of the disciples, or just one of the crowd. He was there to heal. He was there to deliver. He was there to save. That's always the case. But beginning at verse 20, we start to see Jesus talk about two kinds of people. Now, I said all that I just said to let you know or to remind you of the truth that Jesus doesn't see any of us um, as better than another. But Jesus is talking about two kinds or two groups of people. And verse 46 tells us how the distinction is being made. But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things which I say. So there's two kinds of people that he's going to be talking about here. Those who hear him and do what he says. And those who just hear and are satisfied with hearing him alone. And he, he's going to describe a difference. Not that in his heart there's any difference in terms how, of how he loves either of these groups of people. There's no difference in terms of how much he wants to bless them and move in their lives. But we're going to find that there is a difference in terms of how the impact of, or the difference in terms of the impact of Christ's words on 
these two groups of people, and it's pretty significant. So verses 20 to 26, um, Jesus talks about these two groups of people in, a, in this way. He says, there's some of you who are, uh, you're living your life for eternal things. And he says, blessed are you poor, poor now, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are, are you who hunger now, for you shall be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when men hate you and when they exclude you and when revi- they revile you and cast you out for, uh, or cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for indeed your reward is great in heaven. For in like manner their fathers did to the prophets. And he turns to the other group, the hearers only, and he says, Woe to you who are rich. For you've received your consolation. And it's not the fact that they were rich that was the issue. It was the fact that they were, they were focused not on eternal things, but on, on temporal things, material things. And he said, if that's what you want, then that's what you got, and that's all there is. Woe to you who are full, for you shall hunger. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Woe to you when all men speak well of you. Uh, for so did their fathers to the false prophets. And then he goes on and he says, remember he, he, the distinction was those who hear and do and those who hear only. Verse 27, but I say to you who hear. <laughs> I love that. It's such an interesting turn of phrase. I'm talking to whoever is listening. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like that up here. (laughs) But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. He says, I say to you who hear, here's what the hearing ought to produce. I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. And pray for those who spitefully use you. Whoa. Does anybody else think uh, here today think that that might be a little rough, a little tough to do? Oh, to him who strikes you on the one cheek, offer the other also? That, that, now, by the way, that doesn't mean, you know, somebody comes along and slugs you in the face and you turn around, yeah, have a go at the other side. Uh, no, it's, it's, it's once you get hurt, that you don't withdraw and to protect yourself. He said you stay in the game. You stay in the game. Um, And from him who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who asks of you. And from him who takes away your goods, do not ask them back. I was... I was thinking yesterday about a guy who borrowed a book from me and has never returned the the dust cover. (laughs) The fact that I remember that is just plain wrong. (laughs) But I've seen that recently. I have not seen the dust cover in a while. Okay. <laughs> Verse 31, And just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. In other words, he's saying, look, what I'm saying is not just for entertainment value. 
what I'm saying ought to have impact on the way that you live. And now he's going to break that doing down into three things. Love, do good, and lend. Now, I'm, I already said once this morning, I'm from the 60s, so when you talk about love, sometimes I think, all you need is love. Dun, 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 dun. All you need is love, right? This is love your enemies. That's jarring, folks. My words, Jesus said, my words ought to have such impact on your life that you end up, you find yourself loving your enemies. Verse 32. But if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Remember, he's saying, love your enemies. Verse 33, if, if, or verse, uh, yeah, verse 33, if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you hope to receive back, what credit is that to you? For even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much back. But love your enemies, do good and lend. And, and by the way, that word lend is used in the kind of like when we say lend a hand. It's not like you expect anything back. It's not like, you know, you, you're, you're making a loan to somebody that you expect them to repay with interest. It's being used in that sense of just giving without any expectation of return. He says, but love your enemies, do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return, and your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the unthankful and evil Therefore, be merciful just as your father also is merciful. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Someone asked me the other night about this because he, said, he was taught, well, I don't do the whole story, but uh, he felt badly because he felt like he was kind of judging another person. And I said, well, here's the deal. We're not called to be ignorant of sin. We're called to make judgments about sin. But we're never called to judge people. So he's talking about that thing of judging other people. He says, judge not and you shall not be judged. Condemn not and you shall not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. This is not the, the only time that Jesus will link the forgiveness flow to me with how that forgiveness flow passes through me to others. He taught us to pray that way, didn't he? He said, pray that um, I will be forgiven as I forgive others. Uh, that doesn't mean, uh, you know, that there's something that we have to do to earn God's forgiveness. But it is God emphasizing to us that he, he intends for the forgiveness that he uh, is pouring out on us to flow through us to other people. That's his intentions for us. And he says, don't stop up the flow. Give and it will be given you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Wow. I find myself sometimes measuring out my giving with a teaspoon. And then the Lord says, well, okay, if, that, if that's the measurement we're going to use, then that's what's coming back to you. And he spoke a parable to them. Can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both, both fall into the ditch? 
A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is perfectly trained, and that means well-trained, someone who's been, become a, a, a follower of a mentor, that person is going to be a lot, a lot like their mentor. A person who's perfectly trained will be like his teacher. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not perceive the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, Brother, let me remove the speck that's in your eye when you yourself do not see the plank that is in your own? Hypocrite, first remove the plank from your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck that is in your brother's eye. This is all about dealing with my own stuff. It's really easy to deal with other people's stuff, isn't it? Have you figured that out? It's just clear as a bell. You can see their stuff and you just want to go after it. Hey, let me help you with that speck in your eye. All the while, we got this two-by-four sticking out of our own. Hey, let me help you with that speck in your eye. Sometimes, Jesus is going to talk about, or he has talked about the blind leading the blind. You know what blinds us? Is that log in my eye. And I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but if I was to look into John's eye here, and look around in there to try to see if I could find a little speck, what I would be seeing, probably, in terms of a speck in his eye, is the reflection of the log in my own. Right? Jesus said, deal with your own stuff. My words, my words ought to impact your life in that way. It ought to change you. It's not just for entertainment value. And then he says in verse 43, for a good tree does not bear uh, bad fruit. Nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. For every tree is known by its own fruit. For men do not gather figs from thorns. Nor do they gather grapes from a bramble bush. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. All this stuff, dear ones, everything we've said, loving your neighbor, doing good to those who, you know, hate you, lending without expectation of return, going after the stuff in your own life before you start picking on somebody else, all that stuff really are issues of the heart. They're issues of the heart. And we make a mistake you know, there's this kind of raging debate in Christians, has been, probably always will be, what's more important, faith or works? And the question is really immaterial. They go together. If I believe, it changes what I do. And if you try to do without the belief, good luck. They go together. And Jesus said, look, if, if you're here... Uh, to hear what I have to say it's going to change you and it's going to mean you go deep and you have to deal with the stuff that's down deep now that brings us to uh, where we started when I said that there's two kinds of people that Jesus is addressing here the, the ones who hear only and the ones who hear and do we started by laying out the this old hymn that that uh, young man in the video his name is Eric sang on Christ the solid rock I stand because the result of hearing and doing is this 
But you, but excuse me, but why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things which I say? Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently against that house and could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. He said, when you hear my words, as challenging as they are, those are challenging words we read. But when we come before the Lord and say, Lord, let those words, let your word change me. Let your word change me and how I live and what I do and how I treat people. He says, when we do that, it's like we have decided that the foundation that our house is built on is more important than the house we build on it. Because, he says, but he who heard and did nothing is like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation and it could be very lovely, couldn't it? But... The storm will beat it vehemently against it. And it says here immediately, that house fell and the ruin of that house was great. We don't want that end, do we? Let's be people who hear and do. Let's be people who love, do good, and lend. Let's be people who deal with our own stuff. Let's be people who go deep so that the foundations can be laid firm and steadfast. Let's be like that. A house built on solid ground.